Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. important Islamic issues in standing up for Islam, the series, but now we are reaching a very important time for us, a time to get even closer to Allah, where Iblis is chained, and we have a great opportunity in this coming month of Ramadan. And a brother Moinul here will be, inshallah, going through this blessed month, and how important it is to Muslims, and what we can gain from that, inshallah. Assalamualaikum, brothers. وبشرح لي صدري وسل لي أمري وحلم تذهب من لساني يفقه قولي إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعين ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh brothers. Now, shahru Ramadan ala al-abwaab. The month of Ramadan is, as they say, at the doors. It's possibly tarawih tomorrow. And as Muslims, we need to be in fervor in anticipation and in awe of this month because all of the months to someone who is a materialist for example are the same thing one month kind of blends into another month but for us the days and months in our lives are different based on their proximity their spiritual proximity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ramadan is the month that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he revealed the Quran Ramadan is the month in which God spoke to man. This is a big deal, brothers. Because there's two times, the happiest moment and the saddest time for the Muslims. It was said was when God spoke to man, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Jibreel alayhi salam, and when revelation stopped upon the death of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and we were left to follow the Quran and the Sunnah, no longer do we have any uh, uh, Anbiya We no longer have anyone like this But we have Various other ways of organizing ourselves But the truth is Is that there are no more Anbiya The Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Is the seal of all of the Prophets So I want to do two parts And inshallah I will try and keep a uh, track of time I'm going to go through something that you might want to call an internet first, I don't know, yeah? Because I'm going to go through some of the tafsir of the ayah in 183, Surah Al-Baqarah, word for word. So we go through the tafsir, because sometimes we've got this thing of 10 top tips to do in Ramadan, and we don't even know the text. So we're going to do with the text, and then the second part will be practical steps on how we can improve ourselves, benefit for the month of Ramadan, and take advantage, do istighlal, to exploit the time in the month of Ramadan. So, I begin with the ayah in question. Ba'da a'udhu billahi minash shaytani rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. 
يا ايها الذين امنوا كتب عليكم الصيام كما كتب على الذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون الله سبحانه وتعالى يتوز اس او يو هو بيليف فاستنج هاز بين ميد اوبليجاتوري هاز بين بروسكرايب فور يو لايك ات هاز بين بروسكرايب اوف ذوز بيفور يو سو ذات يو ماي اتين تقوى نا ام شور to be real with you brothers that you have heard that in so many events so many charity events in Ramadan people often mention this ayah but how often have we looked towards the actual text because it's the wahi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that gives us closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we're going to go through some of the tahleel some of the arabic analysis of the actual language itself and we're going to go into it but before that i want to give you some analysis just on the word ramadan you see the word ramadan precedes islam in terms of the naming of this month the month of ramadan like many other months the arabs they used to name their months based on circumstances around them that took place or to do with something they observe observe within nature so for example in the month of muharram it was the month the sacred month of their pilgrimage of their sacrifices so during that month the arabs would not fight therefore it was haram for them they made it the month of muharram so this is the reason why they named it that month because this was a month it was their sacred month where they would not fight this is before islam now ramadan comes from the verb ramida now ramida means for it to be very very intensely hot to be baking and to bake the ground until it cracks So it means intense heat where the floor cracks and it bakes. So you can imagine uh, many of you if you fast, you know, in the Muslim countries you'll know, you know, actually it won't be so dissimilar to our uh, this uh, was it 18 hour marathon or something we've got coming up. I think uh, iftar is what maghrib uh, is a 9:30 9:15 subhanallah Allahumma musta'an. That's going to be uh, a trek for us. That's going to be a mission for us inshallah. So this is basically what the month of Ramadan just the month means. So inshallah under that intense heat, you know, it's the floor that cracks and not us. So this is the time where the month of Ramadan has has been chosen. Now, to go into the verse itself, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says, "Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu." Now this is interesting on many fronts. First of all, when you see "Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu" instead of "Ya ayyuhan nas" for example or ya ayyuhal insan this is referring to makki verses so whenever you see insan or annas often it's to do with non muslims or to do with the time in makkah and when you hear ya ayyuhal ladina amanu it is often a madani verse so this is a, i'm going to give you like tips on how to notice things when you're reciting the quran so when you say ya ayyuhal ladina amanu immediately most likely and most often than not it is in a madani verse so it's uh, revealed in medina after the establishment of islam yani the second thing to notice is who is the one calling out see allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have said qul ya ayyuhal ladina amanu kutiba alaykum as-siyam but allah did not in this instance for example qul ana bashurum mithlukum say i'm a man it's enough to say i'm a man like you but instead allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not gone through the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to pass this message on it has gone directly to us directly to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and all of the believers so notice here already that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is getting your attention because he's addressing you directly so it says nadana mubasharatan that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called out to us directly now the other thing is that is suggested is because that the month of ramadan كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ is that the month of Ramadan in terms of fasting preceded Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his ummah because people have fasted before so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is directly addressing us now that's just the يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُ كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ السِّيَانِ the word kutiba let's just look at it for example because it says kutiba ala now the word kataba ala whenever you hear it mentioned in the Quran whenever you hear kataba ala it is already it is sending you an indication that there will be shidda 
There will be toughness in what's about to come up. Also, ilzam, meaning something that you will feel compelled or there's a compulsion on you to do. You will have what they call mashakka, which is an endurance, something that's going to require some sabr, something that's going to require some serious patience. And also ijab, which means that the action is of an obligatory nature. So all of this is already just in the word kataba. This is in the word kataba. But the word isn't kataba, is it? It's kutiba. Now kutiba is what you call a majhul verb, meaning a passive verb. For example, if I say suriqtu hatifi, if I say suriqtu hatifi, it means my phone is stolen. If someone says, who is the doer? You would say, if I knew the doer, I wouldn't say my phone got stolen, isn't it? So you have to sometimes use passive verbs to say the phone got stolen without the owner of the action. Okay? Without the uh, fa'il, without the doer. So in this case, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you'll notice that it says, kutiba. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala often than not use passive verbs in the Quran? Another tip for you to notice when you're reading Quran, inshallah, in the month of Ramadan. One of the reasons is, is because the matter itself is an ugly matter. So for example, if I ask you, brother, what's your name? Abdullah. Abdullah. So if I say, I was going on the bus and I saw Abdullah and the drug dealer at the bus station. Now, anyone could be standing at a bus station, but you can see it has some sort of leaning, the connotation of the drug dealer, that Abdullah knows him now. He's dragged him into it, isn't it? If I saw Abdullah and the drug dealer the other day, it passes on a connotation. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he uses passive verbs. Passive verb means he erased the dua. Okay? He erases the dua because it may be for, in one instance, is to do with something ugly or something disliked. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah 3 in Surah Tuma'idah, He says, حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ الْمَيْتَةَ وَالدَّمُ وَالْلَحْمُ الْخِنْزِيرِ That it has been made haram upon you the, the, the blood and the flesh, the dead animal with dam and the khinzir, the pig, swine. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't want harrama Allahu, and I won't finish the sentence. He did not want to have harrama Allahu, and then he doesn't want to have that. That his name is right next to khinzir. Do you see that? So because if it's an ugly thing, there's kurh from that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken his name out and just said, it has been made haram upon you for this, this and this. You see? Does that make sense? If it doesn't make sense, by the way, this isn't me like a one direction kind of attempt. You can anytime just ask a question. It's not a problem, inshallah. You've got a question? You've got hands going up? It's just, just for like putting your hand up. Okay, so... This is what they call ikhfa, yeah? It's not a tajweed lesson, don't get worried. But this is what they call ikhfa, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is hiding himself inside the verb. Another reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this is because something difficult is put upon you. So for, and if he includes his name, it's because something good is for you. So for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in ayah 7, surah al-Hujurat, Allah says, uh, yeah? And beautify, beautify our hearts basically Beautify the iman in our hearts So Allah in this uh, uh, ayah He is mentioned in the sentence But in other sentences So this is where It's a positive thing isn't it Because you're asking Allah to beautify iman in our hearts Whereas in another verse In Surah Ali Imran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Bismillahirrahmanirrahim زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ الشَّهَوَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاء وَالْبَنِينَ and so on إِلَىٰ آخِرِهِ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that uh, beautified for uh, um, uh, the people لِلنَّاس is the love of their desires the thing that they desire So because this is something that we are desiring and it's going to take us away from Islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says زُيِّنَ But who made them beautiful? Allah Isn't it? So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith, it says, حُجِبَتِ النَّارِ بِالشَّهَوَاتِ وَحُجِبَتِ الْجَنَّةِ بِالْمَكَارِهِ The nar, the fire, is veiled, hujiba, from the word hijab. It's got hijab around it. Of what? Shahawat, shiny things, bling, desired things. And the jannah is surrounded by what? Makarih. 
tough things, things you might not like at the beginning or you think that are difficult or that you think are uncomfortable, those are the things that Jannah is veiled with. So you can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes his name out of that. So in this case, why kutiba alaykumus siyam? Do you know why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is informing us that he knows that this month of Ramadan, especially this month maybe, is going to be tough. So Allah took it out. You know? For example, if the brother Abdullah, I'm going to pick on him today a little bit, he goes around his friend's house, they've been sitting there discussing Islamic discussions, they've had a sa'a for this and a sa'a for that, then they're playing a bit of maybe PS4, I don't know. And then after that, he says, you know, you got any food in the fridge? Now if the brother says, yeah, I've got food in the fridge, and then he just carries on, you can say, what's, what's wrong with you? Pagal. You know, I'm, I'm indicating I'm hungry, isn't it? When you say there's food in the fridge, I'm not asking, can you just inform me, you know, the contents of your fridge. I'm asking, you know, I want to eat, right? So you see, you haven't mentioned the fa'il. You haven't mentioned the dua. You just said, is there food in the fridge? Or food would be nice. Or a cup of tea would be nice. We go around, people say that. We say a cup of tea would be nice. You have not included, why? Because you don't want to burden that person. You don't want to make it difficult for that person. So you don't say, I want so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken away Allahu lakum. He said kutiba alaykum So whenever he says lakum is usually a good thing When it's alaykum It can also mean a bad thing or something difficult For example in the hadith In part of a hadith It says Al-Qur'anu hujjatun laka aw alayk The Qur'an is a proof for you or against you Take note brothers For our recitation that we're going to do in the month of Ramadan In the month of the Qur'an That we may recite and do tilawah and we may have fragrant recitation, but do we have the taste? When you, if you tasted our iman, would it be something that is bitter, or is it something that would be as sweet as our recitation? So the Quran, hujjatun laka for you, aw alayk upon you. Even in English, when we say a burden, we say upon me, upon my shoulders, isn't it? If you say, bro, can you uh, uh, borrow, you know, keep an eye on my PS4? You're not going to say, I'll take that on my shoulders. You'll never say upon me. It's a good thing, I'll take it. Yeah? So this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is using the uh, passive verb kutiba to show that this is something that he knows is difficult on his servant, on his abd, and he's basically therefore not mentioned his name. Now, how do we know that it's tough? We know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is taking it. How do we know it's tough? Is with the word ala. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word ala, it means something heavy, something difficult, something hard. And he uses lakum, i.e. the la, the li. When it's to do with something good for you or some bounty for you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will use li. So for example, uh, so we've mentioned ala. So kutiba alaykum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory on you what? As-siyam. As-siyam is now obligatory. Now, siyam is what they call an alternative noun from the word sawm. So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not use sawm? You know, but you've heard the word sawm. Sawm also means fasting, right? So for example, in one of the ayahs, it's in uh, ayah 26, uh, Surah Al-Maryam, when it says, Inni nadartu li rahmani sawman. That she says, indeed, I, have, I am observing sawman. What does sawman mean? What did it mean when Maryam alayhi salam, when she said she's going to do sawm? What does it mean? Anyone know? Abstain from food. Only speaking. Only speaking. She's only going to avoid speaking. Whereas suyam uh, means not just imsak. Imsak means, you know, to hold your tongue, to be quiet. Yeah. But also it has a more comprehensive meaning. How can you notice that? By also, in Arabic we say, more letters, ziyad al-huruf, tufidul ma'ana. Right? The increase of letters, Increases meaning So instead of Sawm It's Siyam Okay So it's lengthened Another good example of this Is the word Rih Wariyah Whenever the word Rih Is mentioned in the Quran It mentions a storm It means wind Okay Both words mean wind But when it's mentioned Rih It means a storm You know That's a disaster for you It means a punishment That is going to come for you Like for example When it says And as for the people of Ad we destroyed them with wind, with a violent wind. So you see, when it's rih, it means something violent and bad. But when it's riyah, extended meaning, can you see the same pattern? Saum, siyam. 
it says that the wind is a good thing. It brings rain. It brings, uh, you know, uh, in, it, you know, sustenance for the life of this earth and all the things within it. Okay. So this is basically where psalm. Uh, now I want to tell you something about the word siyam in terms of what it means to be fasting. Okay. In one hadith Qudsi, hadith Qudsi is basically a hadith where it is said that it's the wording of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and it's the meaning of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Okay, so for example, in a hadith Qudsi, it's mentioned, "Kullu amal ibn Adam lahu illa sawma fa innahu li wana ajzi bihi." That indeed, "Kullu amalin," every action for Ibn Adam, meaning the son of Adam, the actions of worship are for him, for his own sake, for his own akhirah, to save himself. But then Allah, uh, then it said that Allah said, "Illa illa asoma fa innahu li." That except the psalm, for indeed that is only for me. And I will reward him with it. Now, the scholars have discussed this hadith to a serious detail because it's very, you could see when it says, Subhanallah, that I'm going to reward him. They came up with 55 different meanings of this word for psalm. You know, for wasaumuli, that the fasting is for me. We haven't got time for 55. I've tried to select the ones that might interest you okay I've got a few so one of the meanings is when it says as-sawmu li fa-innahu li is that fasting is unique to any other from any other form of worship because it's not with riyah you see any other action if you're nice to your family if you give zakah if you help your friend if you do salah if you do hajj especially now you know brothers they, they're instagramming the tahajjud they're uh, doing a selfie in front of the Kaaba and all sorts of things which I will talk about in the second half about practical advice on how to make the most of your Ramadan and especially not how to spoil it. So please, you know, hang tough with me to get to that point. But you see, Psalm is, uh, what are you doing brother? I'm not doing an action. I'm not eating. So because it's not something that manifests, you, you know, you physically can't really see that. It's pu- purely between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's, there's no physical manifestation like there is with any other Obligation, any other form of worship in Islam. So, so you can see that fasting, one thing is, is that it has no outward manifestations and its reward is, is with Allah and the riyah, there's no showing off, there's no way, unless you speak, which you shouldn't, unless you speak. Secondly, the meaning is among those, uh, it's mentioned that it's among the most beloved uh, of the obligations to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it has no equivalent except with salah. And that every time your stomach hurts, and every time your mouth feels dry, you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's very unique. I mean, salah you could pray, and then the heat that was, the spiritual heat that was created in your salah might dissipate as you edge away from the masjid, right? Whereas psalm, every time your stomach makes a little noise, or is in pain, or it indicates... It's going to happen, it's a constant reminder. I mean, how can you forget you're not hungry? You know, it's very hard, you know, and especially when you've got a dry mouth. You're trying to talk to the guy and you're thinking, oh, I can't even drink water. So it's constant reminder. So this is why it's unique in the sense that it's constantly reminding you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third is that it's a specified amount of reward that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will account for. Did he say, ana ajzibihi? Correct? All the other reward will be accounted the angels, the kiraman katibin, they will get their books, kitabul marqum, they will read out from the books what your deeds are, and you will have them given to your right hand. So, well, this is saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will account the many manifold multiplications of rewards that you get in your fast. He will account for it personally. For example, just as an analogy so you could appreciate this, though there is no similitude you know, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you go to a king and he has his servant reward you for a good act, that's one thing. But if he says, come, I will reward you myself. It's different, no? It's different. So this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward that person. The fourth is that it builds an intense patience that unlike no other worship. I won't go into detail, we're already running out of time. Five, the fifth thing is that it's the fasting is, when it says the fasting is for me, it means that the reward remains untouched. Meaning that out of all the other worship that you do, that, that when you are accounted on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and when you commit sins, what will you pay with? You will pay with your mortgage payment, you will pay with your house, you will pay with your money, you will bring your lawyer, 
no lawyers, no nothing. You will pay with your a'mal. You will pay with your deeds. But one of the uh, understands of this hadith is that this is the only uh, uh, worship that your reward will stay intact. Inshallah ta'ala. And uh, another meaning of it is to show the importance and seriousness of it. The fact that this is something that you should not have any lapses. Sometimes we have lapses, even in our salah, maybe in other things. But the month of Ramadan, you know, you snooze, you lose. You know, you should be making sure that you try to maximize as much as you can out of the month of Ramadan. Then it says, كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبِلِكُمْ So it says, it's mentioned in the, one of the tafsir. it's mentioned, يُفِيدُ التَّسْهِيلُ وَالتَّخْفِيفُ that it benefit, uh, that it gives you ease. Why? When it says "kama kutiba alaykum, like it has been made obligatory for those before you, it's basically saying it's not a new action. The people of you uh, before you have been doing it. The second thing is, if you imagine the previous nations, how they lived, they don't have your microwave, they don't have the train and the tube, they don't have the kind of technology we have today. So if you think fasting in 2014 is difficult. Imagine the fasting that they did in the heat. No aircon, no mukayyaf, no uh, you know, freezers. So if it was before you, then surely today, brothers, we can't get ulnambi pambi. It should be easy for us, you know, compared to the previous generations who have gone through such difficulty. You know, technologically speaking, living in quite primitive times compared to how we live today. So we can see that this is one of the, uh, one of the things as well. And also... It's a removal of doubt and anxiety. Because sometimes, you know, when you think, I'm sure you know this, five minutes before the salah is going to start, and your suhoor is you start panicking a little bit. Oh no, I forgot to drink some water. Yeah, there's that mad rush to go and get that last cup of water, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to you, you know, he's making it like those who've done it before you. Meaning it's easy. You know, like if an examiner says, don't worry, loads of people have done this before you. It's okay. You know, you're not reinventing the wheel. This is not something so difficult. It's unheard of. People have been doing this for a long time. You will be able to do it, inshallah. This is the thing. So this is what... Uh, uh, and another thing is that it builds targhib wa tahbib. Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making the act desirable for you. He's saying, everybody's doing it. Everybody's done this action. This is something that is in time and immemorial, this action has been done. It's one of the acts that have remained pure throughout all of the history that this is one of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to do. So he's saying, he's made it beloved to you. Tahbib, you know, he's trying to make it something that you really want to do. He's motivating you towards doing it. So this is some of the meanings of kama kutiba ala ladina min qabilikum. Then the next bit is what? La'allakum tattaqoon. La'allakum tattaqoon. In the hope that you gain taqwa. Now the word taqwa, really that's the objective brothers. The month of Ramadan, if you don't come out with taqwa, you have lost. You have lost everything. So taqwa is the is the uh, what to attain. But what is taqwa? The general kind of I'll give you a general meaning. There are specifics, but the general meaning is that the taqwa is the love, and fear is not the most appropriate word to use. But awareness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that leads you to be conscious of Him throughout your daily life in a way that you also don't allow bad things or to be in a bad place that could affect or harm or damage your ibadah or your, the things that you do. So you won't do anything that will jeopardize the sweetness of your iman. Okay? Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't... Usually when you say tattaqoon, you say tattaqoon an-nar, like it says in the Qur'an, means that you get protection. Because the verb, uh, uh, when you say tattaqoon, waqa yaqi wiqaya, it means protection. It means to seek protection. So why are you seeking protection from? So this is what it is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not said that it's protection from nar. Other times he says, Tattakun, you know, Rabbukum. It means that you are seeking protection. Does it mean from Allah? No. It means that you want to obey Allah. Other times Tattakun or Taqwa is used is to attain something in Jannah. So it's protection from nar, to enter Jannah, to please Allah, to not displease Allah. So this is all of the things that Taqwa means. But Allah didn't say any of those things. So as to suggest that tattaqoon means all of the things that you desire in the month of Ramadan, all of them, you will get all of those inshaAllah ta'ala. That's why he didn't say tattaqoon from something, something. It's, a, it's all of those things inshaAllah combined. And taqwa really one of the things that you need to maintain, we need to maintain, 
means that we need to protect. But what are we protecting, brothers? I remember I was studying a hadith and it mentioned that the three attributes of a believer, and one of them it said, Halawat al Iman. I was always thinking, what does Halawat al Iman? Because I know Halwa. Yeah? So I think, what's Halawat al Iman? It means the sweetness of Iman. So what's Taqwa then? So let me give you an example, brothers. Imagine you out on a summer's day and you buy an ice cream, you know, and, and you are coveting this ice cream. You know, you're thinking about this 99p flake. I'm going to work around the edges. You've got a strategy how to take this one out. Okay? You want to eat this flake. And you're basically salivating over it. Now, what happened if you dropped it? What would happen if you dropped it? You feel so depressed. You'd be like, oh God, I was thinking of eating it. And then I dropped it. Sweetness of Iman. Halawat al-Iman. The commentary, uh, or some of it is, is that it means to enjoy your worship. And are we not mostly going to enjoy our worship in the month of Ramadan? Isn't that one of the amazing things about Ramadan that we're going to really get stuck in and enjoy the worship of Ramadan? So halawat al-iman means that, the sweetness. Taqwa is like the way when you got the ice cream and this is the sweet thing that you... What do you try to do? Try to protect it. Isn't it? You think, I'm enjoying this thing. I would never allow something to damage that thing. Correct? A little boy, a little girl... A little uneducated girl or boy who doesn't know better will drop the ice cream and pick it up and there will be hair, glass, some grit and you probably still eat it, isn't it? Because they can't differentiate between the things that awsakh, the things that make it unclean and the things that make it sweet. But the one who has knowledge in Islam, he knows how to protect his deen. That means he will have this taqwa. So it's like protecting your ice cream. The sweetness of ibadah is like you're protecting the ice cream. That's the only way I can kind of try and get this through. Yeah? So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ayyaman ma'duda. Ayyaman ma'duda is for a few days. You see, Allah, the, normally anyone who studies Arabic would know it should be Ayyaman ma'duda. Because whenever you have a plural, non-aqil, ghair aqil, meaning without brain, of a plural of a thing, the sifa is always singular and feminine. Did anyone, you know, you guys aware of this? This is what the rule is in Arabic. The plural is always singular and feminine for a ghair aqil, something inanimate, you know, animate, inanimate, an inanimate thing, meaning something without intelligence. But why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not write ma'dudah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us ma'dudat. This is what they call brothers jam'u qillah. Jam'u qillah is when you have a smaller plural. Like for example, when the brother says, Look man, I'll meet you outside the masjid in a couple of minutes. What does couple mean, really? Come on. What, is, I mean, what does a couple mean? It doesn't mean two minutes. It could mean ten minutes, it could mean one minute. If I say, give me a couple of quid, it might not be two quid. It might even be in a pound. It might be less than two when you say a couple. A couple is dual, isn't it? It might be when you say, give me a couple of million. You know, what's a couple of million? That's a lot. So the word couple, we just mean a few. Isn't that correct? In English, we mean a few. So when you use jam'u qilla, when you use ma'dudat, uh, it means a few days. And a few days in Arabic, because we have dual as well, we have single, dual, and plural. So it's between three and nine. And after that means a lot. So it actually means a few days. Now brothers, I ask you, are we going to fast for nine days? We're not going to fast for nine days. So why is it that for a whole month, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying only for a few days? The Mufassirun, they have said that the reward is so high for this month that comparingly to what you pay, what you give for your effort, your a'mal, for what the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you, it is a few days. Do you get it? It's a few days in comparison to the reward that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to bestow on the believer. So this is what they call takhfif. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has lightened and made it. And also to make it... What does that make you feel? Think about it. What does that word make you feel? It makes you feel, yeah, it's not too hard then. You know, and the reward's worth it anyway. You know, look at the guy in Primark. You know, he has clothes thrown on his head. Women's clothing on his head. And he knows he's getting triple pay. You know, he's smiling underneath those clothes. Why? Because he thinks I'm getting triple pay. And what about this month, brothers? So this is basically what is meant by ayyama ma'dudat. Now I won't go through the next few ayahs because the next few ayahs to do with if you're ill, if you're sick, if you're traveling, what are the 
what do you have to do to compensate for not fasting? Okay, so this is a, a more fiqhi, and we this is probably not the kind of uh, situation to discuss it. So I'm going to move on to the next ayah, and then we're getting closer to finishing, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بَعَدَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدًى لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the month of Ramadan of which the Qur'an was revealed, hudan, a guidance for linnas, وَبَيِّنَات and proofs مِنَ الْهُدَى well, Furqan and a criteria. So, why does what does this mean? Now, Shahru Ramadan. I've explained to you what Ramadan, Ramadan means. So, we've gone into some detail about what Ramadan means. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the first ayah has just told you that there's an obligation coming your way. He has, has he told you how to fast? Has he told you details? He just said there's an obligation coming your way. Second, he's told you it's only for a few days, but he hasn't specified when, right? So, Shahru Ramadan. Now it's telling you which month it is in. Alladhi unzila fihi al-Quran. This is the month that Allah revealed the Qur'an. Fihi, in this month. So one of the things is, Allah is gratifying the month of Ramadan by telling you that this is the month that the Qur'an... So He's showing you how important this month is, because the Qur'an, Fihi, came in it. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used Anzala. Do you know brothers, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the word, like for example, it says, Nazzalat sama When it says that the sky rained, drops. Yeah? In what? In, in stages. So the word nazzala Allah uses for the Quran, meaning that it came gradually in stages. But here it says anzala, alladhi unzila fil Quran, unzila fihi al Quran. Did the whole Quran come in the month of Ramadan? <coughs> no. So why is it that Allah subhanahu wa taala has used that the whole the verb that describes the whole of the Quran coming in the month of Ramadan? So it's been said, it's been mentioned by Ibn Abbas. Uh, anhu, when he mentioned that the Quran is being is being revealed, first it was found in the Allah al Mahfuz, the preserved tablet. You know the preserved tablet that Allah wrote everything that will happen and will be and all the ghaib and everything. Okay, then that went to the lowest heaven, the lowest heaven, and then after that it was held there, and then when a situation would occur to Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam on earth. The ayah would come in parts. So the whole Quran was sent, then it's paused here, and then ayah by ayah, surah by surah, it would come based on the circumstances that the Prophet was facing. Notice that Allah said unzila instead of anzalallahu. Again, he's not mentioned his name. Because the emphasis is on what? The month. He's giving you where the emphasis and the focus is. Moving on very quickly. This is interesting. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know, if you imagine that, that the Qur'an is already in the Allah al-Mahfuz, and then after that, it's waiting in the, seven, uh, the lowest of the heavens, and it, then when a situation occurs, Allah sends the ayah. Subhanallah, people say that Islam needs to change, to fit to modern times. Think about that point I'm just making. It's saying that Islam needs to change to fit modern times. That it needs to change because the times are different now, and all of these things. We now know that the Qur'an... Is already it's in Allah al Mahfuz. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not subject to his creation, he's not subject to time, he's not waiting for these things to occur. So Allah is sending the solution before the problem has unfolded in front of your very eyes. Think about that. Sometimes we say, Oh, Islam, na'udhu billah min dhalik. Oh, he may not have spoken about this subject, you know, because this is a modern issue, this is a British issue, this is an American Islam issue. Subhanallah. Before the American Islam issue came in front of your eyes, the Qur'an was already revealed, already waiting, and already sent based on the circumstances that occurred. Subhanallah, they say that if you study the deen, and you think about it, and contemplate about it deeply, it is as though that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had written the Qur'an, and then the, world to, then the world to fit in it. Do you understand? The world was created, and all of these things... To match the Qur'an. Today we say the Qur'an it cannot deal with today. If you study Islam, it was like as if the Qur'an was written first and then mankind to match it. In terms of how compatible and how perfect it is to manage the affairs of the believers. And the affairs of actually humanity. So subhanallah, circumstance happens, a part of the Qur'an comes to deal with that circumstance. Think about that. When people say, oh, 
you know, we can't deal with modern times and all of these sort of things. Move on very quickly. It says, Hudan linnas. Now, the word Huda has three possible meanings. One, as an ismul fa'il, what they call the active participle. And two, as masdar, as nouns. Hidayah wa Hudan. So, I'm not going to go through all the arabic stuff, because I feel I might be a burden on you in this regard. But the first one is, that it's a maf'ul lil-ajli. Meaning that hudan means that what? He revealed the Qur'an, month of Ramadan. Why? Hudan lin-nas. As a guide to mankind. Meaning that it's come because there's something missing. It's come because something is absent. What is that? What is missing if you don't have guidance? What will be present if there's no guidance? It means there was something originally there, which is what? There's a sabab. It means that there was misguidance. And because of misguidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent hudan. He sent the hidayah. The second is hidayah. The meaning is hidayah. Meaning that it's describing the reason and the action. It's describing the, the hidayah and also the manner in which it came. If I say, Ja'a Abdullah, Ja'a Abdullah Mubtasiman. It means that Abdullah, he came smiling. So it's describing not only how, what that you came, Ja'a, but how you came. You came smiling. So this is emphasis on how the Qur'an came. So it's saying that the Qur'an not only came with guidance, that it came as a guidance. The third meaning is, and the one that's probably the closest, is that it said, Hudan. It means that the Qur'an came, like for example, if you say, Ja'a, sorry to pick on you bro, Ja'a Abdullah Nadiman. Abdullah came regretfully. He's done something bad, regretfully. But if I say, Ja'a Abdullah Nadman, not using the ismul file, using the noun, it means that he's consumed with, with regret. Do you see the difference? It means that the action of regret has swallowed Abdullah up. He's no longer Abdullah anymore. He's walking regret. Get it? So here it's saying that every harf, every uh, sentence, every jumla, every single ayah is guidance. Every single letter is guidance. So it's not that it just came as guidance, like a, a mechanism, you know, something that solves your problems. But within its fabric, you know what I say? Ja'a Abdullah Nadman, it means the hairs on his head, each individual hair on his head is feeling regret. So this is the Qur'an, that it's not only a hidayah, it's hudan, meaning that every aspect, every fiber within every letter, every word is a form of guidance if you would contemplate and think about it. So moving very quickly, how long have we got? Can we get a bit of Three minutes? Okay, and also it's a bayinat, meaning that it's proofs. It's proofs, for example, look at the heavens and the earth and all of these things, so it's to the proof of al-Islam. And the third is that it's al-Furqan, meaning it's a criteria. What kind of criteria? A criteria because whenever human beings gather together, whenever, whenever we human beings are coexisting, we have differences, we have arguments, we have difference of view. So we need a criteria to work out the haq from the batil. Correct? So that means it came as a hudan, wal bayinat, wal furqan. Meaning it came as a comprehensive package for every single thing human beings need in their lives. Now, part two, I don't think we've got enough time. Um, has to do with the advice. Um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe another day, I think. Inshallah. Um, salah is literally, I feel it's at 45, or is it at half past? Yeah. We have a few minutes to if you have any questions. There's one question for you which might uh, be relevant. You said that the Quran it came in stages for different uh, realities, yes. different situations yes. happened. And I don't have any examples, so maybe you can just give one example. I have them here if you like. If you give me 10 minutes, that's the last bit basically. <coughs> And, and not, not just an example, but how it relates to today. That's, the, that's part thinking, two. It's 2014 now. Yes. We've got so many realities and so many problems. Yes. And here, here's the guidance, the huda. Yes. And yet, what's it doing on the shelf where mankind is suffering? Yes. Yeah? So yes. I think if you give maybe an example of how yes. it came for the Sahaba and how we can use it today, maybe, inshallah. Yes. Now, there's a lot I was going to discuss. I feel that we don't have all of the time. But I want to make sure that you don't make a differentiation between your personal development, your introspection, and how you look at the wider world. Many people want to solve problems in the world, 
but they fail really within themselves that they can't actually do the task because they don't make a connection between what are my problems what are the problems within the ummah and how do I bridge this gap between those two so really meaning that how can you solve a problem without knowing specifically what that problem is and so I was going to mention the fact that um, Islam is also about the right ayah being applied to the right situation in the right time so for example the Prophet when he said he said sabr is at the first stroke of calamity now if a brother is coming up to you arguing with you in the month of Ramadan you can't argue with him beat him up sit on him and then say indeed I'm fasting it's at the beginning isn't it so you can see that the application is about the time and the condition that it is in so for example this also applies to when it comes to the Quran itself that I've, a phrase popped into my head the other day I was thinking honestly too many MCs not enough mics <laughs> I have we're going to hear many 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 reciters with fragrant recitations but no taste no value in terms of what does that actually mean in countries around the world if you recite the Quran you're given awards for reciting the Quran but you're putting in you're put in prison if you want to work to implement it how is that the case how does that work? And that's why you need to think about how this was even predicted by many of the Sahaba and is mentioned in many ahadith. One of them, the Prophet ﷺ said, He said the knots of Islam will be untied one by one. The, the letter here is describing future tense. The first will be untied, will be the ruling, and the last will be salah. And he said, So when you see problems around you, what you'll happen to do, you'll just grab onto the thing you know, salah. Fasting, at least that's still there. I'll stick to that. So we need to make sure that then they will come after your song. They will come, you know, you get a, they, they will come and give you a, a welcome to uh, enjoy your Ramadan video or something. So you're going to see that this is something that is a problem. Muad bin Jabal he said this as well he said today the reciters of the Quran are few but the implementers are many what does implementer mean? a faqih someone who is implementing the eyes he recites in life but he said I fear for the time when the reciters will be many and the implementers few now I'm going to give you one situation then we're finished the Prophet when he passed away what happened? Umar ibn al-Khattab what did he do? he threatened to chop off the head of anybody who said but the Prophet ﷺ passed away. Uthman anhu, he lost the ability to speak. And Ali radiallahu anhu, what did he do? He went into seclusion. It was that tough on the believers, that tough on the close sahabas of the Prophet. ﷺ. But then Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he comes and he says, he quotes the ayah, Muhammad is only a messenger of Allah. There have been from him messengers before him. What then will you turn back from Islam if he dies or he is killed? Think about it, brothers. To every man was a hafid. Who was hafid? Everybody was hafid. But what was said? It was said by Aisha radiallahu anha and Ibn Abbas as well and many other sahaba as well. They said, by Allah, it was as if the people never knew that Allah had revealed this verse before. Till Abu Bakr recited it. And all the people received it from him and I heard everybody reciting it then. So what does this mean? It means that sometimes... We have many ayat about the implementation of Islam. We have many ayat about enjoining good for being the evil. We have many ayat towards unifying the ummah, which is what the month of Ramadan is about, all of these things. But unfortunately, what happens is it's not in our minds because we're not thinking about the right ayah for the right situation, for the right problem in the right time. You understand? Think about it. This is the Sahaba. It's not us. This is not your Huffad from your local madrasa. These are all the Sahaba. They've memorized Quran. No one can remember this one ayah. It's like it escaped their mind because that requires tafkir, that requires thinking about deeply about the situation. And I don't think this is the forum maybe to go into detail about the situation, but suffice to say, it's quite clear to anybody who understands the deen that it's because of the absence of the implementation of Islam. It's the absence of the unification of the Muslims, not just that we fast on the same day, but we also practice all of Islam in our lives as an ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and it was mentioned by Umar ibn al-Khattab as well when he said there is no Islam without a community 
and there is no community without a leadership and there is no authority without hearing and obeying so this means that when we look at the month of the Ramadan the month of the Quran we should not isolate it to just a few manasik but also a time to really brothers deeply think about the affairs of the Muslims you know and I'll end on this the brothers in Syria and sisters in Syria last year they were looking for fatawa from the ulama what were they asking for they were asking for can we break our fast with rats and dogs this is the fatawa they were asking for in Syria what are we asking for you know that state of a people by the questions they ask their ulama can I eat this way can I buy this house can I marry this way? Can I divorce this way? Can I buy these clothes? Can I buy this car? On finance, on this, on this. These are the questions. What are the questions of the Sahaba? What can I sacrifice? What can make the Jahannam forbidden for me? What can I give for Al-Islam? What can I do to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What is the best of all the actions? So, these were the questions that the Sahaba were asking. What are we asking today? Eat, sleep, drink. How to halalify those things. So what's to suggest that we are trying to live by Islam, meaning you're going to live like any other person, but the things that you do, eat, sleep and drink, you will make those halal. Brothers, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they lived for Islam. Try and understand the difference between that. Living by Islam is just living a life and making it halal. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala didn't make you, send you here just to do the halal and the mubah. He came to send you to do the fard, the obligations. So we need to think about how can we live actually for Islam. The Prophet sallallahu said, Protect Allah, ihfadillah, and Allah will protect you. Does Allah need protection? Of course not. He's al-wali. But what it actually means is, is that if you protect Allah's deen, then Allah will protect you. But often the time we only look out for our own selves, our own stomachs, our own lives, our own homes. And then we leave the affairs of Islam to the rest of the people. And that's why we're in the state that we're in. If we protect Allah's deen, Allah will protect us. This is what the hadith says. I don't think we've got any more time, uh, maybe for questions. Um, is it time for prayer or? It's up to you. <laughs> yes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment, and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about IslamPodcast.com.